what is up everybody long time first time long time right this is another episode of brood bets and it's been a while since i've been on the mic with jt and of course that means that he's my host ride or die for another episode <laughs> of brood bets but this is a different episode of brood bets uh we're coming on a tuesday um, and, I, and JT's been working on some stuff in the background for us while I've been kicking legs up in the sand on my beach vacation. JT, talk to us about this new venture you've got us going down. So yeah, for anybody that is a normal listener, we usually come at you on Saturday mornings, give you our best bets of the weekend. But as everybody knows, college football and football in general is the supreme beast of the sports game. Uh, and we're about five weeks out now. So we talked about it five different big conferences. Why not do a weekly episode diving into all the numbers, the team totals, uh, try to give our insight on what we think the futures, um, what, what, whether you should bet overs or unders. So this is team total Tuesdays and you'll see us uh, still on Saturdays, but then also on Tuesdays for the next five weeks. JT coming in solid with the alliteration, which, <laughs> hey, alliteration for the win all day, every day. Team Total Tuesdays, it's something you won't forget. It's a bug in your ear. And what we're going to try to do here is every week when we tackle a conference, we're going to try to bring on somebody who specializes in that conference. Maybe, they're, maybe their favorite team is in that conference. Maybe they write and cover that conference. Maybe they're just in that conference's territory. Um, and that's what we're going to try to do. So if you're out there listening and you you want to come on the show and talk about your conference and make some bets on win totals, because again, this is a gambling show. We're not just talking analytics here and making some predictions for the season. We'll leave that to Kirk Herbstreet and all those guys <laughs> that get paid to do it. We're talking about what's going to make us money. So if you want to hop on, let us know. I do believe next week we're going to tackle the ACC. So put that bug out there. If you want to do ACC, let us know. But we have an SEC. You know, we're going to call him our residential SEC football expert. And JT, I'm going to let you introduce this gentleman because uh, I know y'all have made a connection. And I, like I said, on the beach, in the sand, <laughs> I'm coming in fresh. Yeah. So uh, as any uh, any smaller podcasters know, the, the way to try to gain traction and uh, get advice from other podcasters is to go on Facebook. I, I joined a bunch of different Facebook groups. and I put a feeler out there when we decided to do this seeing who would be available to talk about the different conferences. And I will introduce uh, the first of our guests. He is Michael Megan. And if you get a chance, go check out Any Given You, his podcast. You can find that anywhere that you get your podcasts. Michael, we talked a little bit before the show, and I think uh, you've got a great story to tell. So let our listeners know who you are and what you're all about. Hey, JT, BJ, thanks for having me first and foremost. I, I really appreciate it. And yes, I am down here in the heart of SEC country in Columbus, Georgia. Um, I'm actually active military. I've been stationed here since 2009. I've spent the last 11 years in uh, 3rd Ranger Battalion um, doing that thing there. I've, I have multiple deployments. I'm sorry. Hey, baby, what's going on? I got to go. Hey, go on. That's my daughter. <laughs> Love <laughs> my the daughter. impromptu guests yeah. on this show. Yeah. We are not, we're not unaware of how that Yo, goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Family man uh, goes without saying. Uh, got two beautiful daughters, a wife, two dogs here. Um, but yeah, I have a passion for college football. I played college football for Florida International University back mm. in 2006 uh, and through the Panthers. spring. 
Yep, the Golden Panthers. Yep, it was uh, my claim to fame was I was at the big brawl in the Orange Bowl, which uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, made made big history. Yeah, I like how he was very finite. I was at it, not in it. I was I was at it. It was the first. It was the first game that I got to uh, put a put a jersey on for. I didn't dress completely. It was a true walk on, but it was a it was an outrageous uh, experience to say the least. Uh, But yeah, that that's that's me. I've had a passion for the game. Uh, so now I moonlight as a podcaster doing uh, college football content in a very unique kind of way. Not only do I do the analytics stuff, but I do a lot of uh, interviews with with former players and try to tell their stories as well. I'm all about storytelling. So, Well, yeah, 2M, we are glad to have you on the show. That's your name, by the way. I'm going to call you 2M, and um, we'll just roll with that. Michael Megan, and I don't know how much JT's filled you in, but our motto here on Brood Bets is strong coffee, stronger bets. We are sponsored by Pale Horse Coffee. Shout out to Pale Horse, veteran owned and operated, giving back everything they can to the armed forces and the community that they're in. Every guest that comes on this show has to tell us how they take their coffee. So 2M, how do we drink our coffee on a regular basis? Yeah, I like my coffee uh, sort of like I, I like my women. I like it very, uh, very sugary, sweet, and um, very filling. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, so we've got sweet and filling, and we've got two cream, one sugar pat. Those are uh, those are our guests so far. <laughs> All right, so let's take a dive into this. JT, you've put a lot of work into this. I'm going to let you roll on your baby and kind of get us started here. What what team are we starting with? I think that when you think about the SEC conference and what is always discussed is the big dog, the one that kind of dominates the conference. So let's start with – well, <laughs> dominate. We'll, we, we can get into whether they do that or not. But uh, we'll start off with Alabama. Their win total, um, I got all of these off of Barstool Sportsbook, so it might fluctuate depending on what book you are at. But they're at 11 and a half. That is a strong case to, like, I mean, can't get much higher than that. 12-game season. So, Michael, I'll start out with you. Uh, Vegas is pretty much begging you to take the under. That uh, just any any slip-up can it can end the bet. So do you have any reason to believe that they could possibly go over that total? Yeah. So obviously, you know, damned if you do damned, if you don't. Right. So um, (laughs) of course there's the potential there, but if you look around college football historics, right. And, and not only just with these dominant teams, but teams in general going undefeated is an exception rather than the norm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with Alabama, with what they have lost, they only have uh, 38% returning on offensive production for coming into this year. Um, they don't have the conference's highest returning production. It's actually third. It's still not bad. It's mm-hmm. mostly because of the defensive side of the ball. So I personally, I'm going to say that, yes, they will get clipped. Um, 2020, we saw a, a historically good Alabama squad. When you have – a Heisman winner and two Heisman finalists mm-hmm. and the best, the nation's best offensive line basically get disbanded, right? Something's going to change. I understand that they have reloaded over time. Like a lot of top tier programs have, but I think that this team, this Alabama team makes a handful of plays, or I should say 2020s Alabama team would make a handful of plays that this team's just not going to be able to. And I think in a in a certain situation, 
in the, the, the right circumstances, they do drop a game. But yeah. but woe to the vanquished after that because <laughs> we know how Alabama, you know, Nick Saban, what's his record after a loss? It's ridiculous. Like, you know, he's <laughs> he very rarely stacks. 185 losses, so. and 0 or something like that. It's something, it like. it's something insane. I think the only the last time I can remember them losing back to back games was when they lost the kick six and then they lost to OU in the bowl game again because yeah. they didn't care. Trevor Knight, so. baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I I would take the under. Yeah, and I I like uh, what you said there about the returners. Uh, one thing that's not being talked about enough, I think, is that, like all the athletes that they left or that they lost on the offensive end is a big hit, but they also lost four offensive assistants. So on top of having all new players in there, the one thing that Alabama tends to have, they still lose a lot of assistants because everyone's trying to poach them as head coaches, but you need to have consistency in that assistant coach's room to be able to get these new guys ready to go. So I think that could play a part. You got a new quarterback, new running back, top two receivers are gone to the NFL, three offensive linemen. So I think, I think they've got to get clipped at least once in this season, just because I mean, they, they can't do it again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if we were talking about any other team, but Alabama, Right. <laughs> I, I, you I just, think, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, you never know. That, that's really my only thing with, with that comment. I mean, with it's easy to say, based on what they're losing, they poss- they can't possibly repeat. But we're also talking about a, uh, a school that has a stable of athletes at any given time. I mean, the best of the best are at Alabama. If any, if any team can recover what they lost and reproduce, it's going to be Alabama. Um, but I, I'm with everybody on the under as well. Um, for everything everyone said, the holes on offense are way too big to ignore. And, and you want to say that they're going to win over 11. That means you're saying 11 and a half. That number is there for a reason. If you're doing that, you might as well be doubling down and picking them to win the national championship. <laughs> and I don't think they're coming out of the East. So that's, uh, that's going to be hard for me to pick LSU or to pick uh, Alabama to go over 11 and a half. So I'm taking that under as well. That that is, uh, I heard that you slipped that in there. Um, we'll get to it in a couple picks, but I think I know who you pick to to win that side of the conference, and I am actually right there with you. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But the second team, Missouri, um, baby, <laughs> <laughs> bold, sir. Uh, yeah, bold. that is. Uh, that must be how you like your coffee. Bold, yep. <laughs> very much. I like it. I like my best. Like I like my coffee with a return on investment. <laughs> So uh, we'll jump into the second team uh, to, in the terms in terms of totals. The Georgia Bulldogs consistently up there. Uh, they are sitting at ten and a half. So Vegas is basically saying that they'll probably get clipped once. Will they get clipped a couple times? Uh, I think this this is a tough one for me as a better. I was looking down through. I've got a few picks that I'm very confident in. This one I picked aside, but. I think Vegas knows that, I mean, this is either 10 or 11 and you're going to get a lot of money on both sides. There's a lot of tough games for them. So, uh, Michael, I'll, I'll give it to you again as you're the SEC guy. What do you see from Georgia that you like and dislike? Yeah, so Georgia, again, uh, let me let me hit you with this real quick. 
there's something called the blue chip ratio, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with. There's a lot of guys over at 27, 24-7 Sports that do a lot of great work on this, right? Alabama has the highest blue chip ratio in the country at 84. Georgia's at 80. Ohio State's at 79. Okay, so they're in rare air there. They're in the top three most talented teams in the country. Oh, and that was before they snagged transfers in mm-hmm. uh, into Key Smith from West Virginia. Yeah, that, and, that one hurts. <laughs> right, yeah. In uh, Darian Kendrick coming in from Clemson, and then Eric Gilbert, the big splash, right? And when you add guys to the roster like that, that, that already had a talented roster, um, honestly, the volatility factor here, the sky's the limit, right? So mm-hmm. uh, for Georgia, it is – common for them to get clipped once right during the season even and you know even in a quote-unquote down year for the dogs Mm -hmm. under the kirby smart era you're looking at 11 wins right Mm -hmm. now they do have the neutral site action with clemson to start the season espn seems to think that the tigers have about a 70 percent chance of winning that game i beg to differ (laughs) um I, i honestly i beg to differ i do but that doesn't mean that the dogs couldn't rest on their laurels and still get clipped by one. I'm, I'm personally going to take the over on this one. Georgia is my team, but that's not why I'm doing it. It's because I'm very familiar with this team. <laughs> and they have the kind of depth and talent in depth to survive this schedule, not only thrive, survive, but thrive in this schedule. So I'm taking the over. Um, that's, that's my thoughts on it. They're fifth in the football power index and second in the conference for returning talent. So I'm mm-hmm. taking the over. So I'm going to back up to him on this one. Uh, I'm going over as well, and I'm not from Georgia. I'm from Virginia. And I will tell you personally, the Champ Bailey era, I saw a lot of Chick-fil-A Peach Bowls in for my Cavaliers at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs. So my heart says, screw Georgia. I hope they don't win a single game. But I actually think that this and this is going to sound redundant because I feel like we've said it every year for the last five, but I firmly believe it. This is the year for Georgia. They've got the loaded defense. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country, a loaded backfield. And to be honest with you, top to bottom, they've got to have one of the best rosters in the entire sport. Forget the SEC and the entire sport. Plus they draw Arkansas for that cross division, um, whatever they call it, the cross division rotating game. They're, I see what I see what Vegas is doing because they throw Clemson out there first, and you're thinking Clemson recency bias. They're always in the playoff. They went what four straight national championships playing with Alabama, whatever the numbers were. Um, but I actually think that their experience, Clemson, is going to be very very young. I'll save a lot of that for the ACC when we do that. I don't think that Clemson is going to be able to get with. Uh, Georgia. I think it'll be a close first half. And then I think Georgia ends up actually beating the brakes off of Clemson. And then you look at their schedule. I mean, they got UAB, South Carolina, Vandy, Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Tennessee. I mean, Charleston, Southern Georgia. I I don't know. Yeah, I would would say I would. And and I'm still taking the over. I'm I'm thinking I I do have. Uh, obviously three games that are sticking out to me, and that is Clemson, that is Auburn, and that's Florida. Um, I still like them in those matchups, but, again, potential stumbling blocks um, mm-hmm. yeah, for those Florida, guys. Florida is the one that stands out to me the most. You have to go to yeah. Florida, and that's sort of, that's No, uh, no, no, no. Their game against Florida and Missouri, Florida's at home. They go to Auburn. 
Well, there it's a neutral site action in Jacksonville. Should be right. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but it's still that's a Halloween weekend game, so I yeah, I can still see that. Stuff. Weird always stuff weird happens. stuff. Yeah, always does. And uh, the the one thing that you guys said about Clemson there, I also agree that this is an over for Georgia. Uh, but the thing for me, and we'll get to it as we get to the other conferences too. My bold take for the season is that the the three powers of the of college football, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. My bold take is that none of those three play in the national championship. I think that this is a down year for all three. They had a bunch of guys on last year's team that are all gone. They were all first round picks. And I think this is the year before we make that transition to the 12 team playoff that we finally see a four team playoff with with different teams in the mix. I think you see a Georgia, you see a possibly a Texas A&M, you see maybe a couple other schools from the Big Ten, maybe even a Pac-12 school in there. That That's my bold take for the season. So for that, I'm taking Georgia in the over and making the playoff. I feel like the only reason why we consider Ohio State one of the big boys in college football is because we don't want to have three teams from the same conference. <laughs> like Ohio State has done absolutely nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Uh, well, the thing about Ohio State is, again, and I alluded to this with them, and I know we're not supposed to be talking Big Ten, but I just want to make <laughs> this point real quick. They have an incredibly intal- uh, talented roster that is not that far off from SEC talent. The problem is is they don't get an opportunity to sharpen their claws on elite competition in season. So, mm-hmm. And Clemson has the same problem. And they sure and so does OU. schedule it. No, they, <laughs> and they, no, they will no. not schedule it. And that's – man, I'm about to get started on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! I was gonna say, OU, stay home, stay home. <laughs> unless you want to be, re- unless you want to be relegated to a basketball school, stay home. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, that's uh, that can be hashed out more in uh, in some other episodes. But well, we'll jump over to the third team, and this is this is another one of my uh, bold moves for. I have a few teams that I consider hammer picks. And this is my biggest one. I'm taking the over, throwing four units on this one. Texas A&M and the over, they they are sitting at nine and a half. So they are expected to take a little bit of a regression from last year as they finished up fifth in the uh, fifth in all of college football, just missed out on the playoff. I think they they've got a lot of returning guys, and they are they've got they've recruited well in the state of Texas. and I think that they're going to use that to take the next step and possibly uh, take the uh, take the division from Alabama. Hmm. This disagree. Is, this is where I disagree. This is yeah. our first disagreement. I do. Uh, I've got Texas A&M at nine wins. That's what I had on my on my pod. Again, very likely they're five and zero heading into the contest with Alabama. Mm-hmm. But if you take a look at this top to bottom in the SEC West. Ole Miss is a nightmare matchup for them. Nightmare matchup. The way that Texas A&M is built, they're built on offensive line, defensive football, field position. Jimbo Fisher's a little antiquated in that sort of respect. I think he's even a little bit of like a step behind Kirby Smart, who's now kind of realized like, hey, I need to open this up a little bit. And even if he wanted to open it up, Who's he going to open it up with? Because Mm -hmm. Texas A&M doesn't have any proven playmakers at wide receiver. 
they're switching out their longtime starter at quarterback. Yeah, they have Jalen Weidermeyer, who's an absolute stud at tight end, and they have a deep and talented backfield, but you're replacing four out of five on the offensive line. Right. And so when you're looking stylistically how they match up with some of these SEC West teams that are going to have the ability to air it out, spread it out and score points and punches and bunches. It's going to be a problem for them. I think that the SEC West could turn into a little bit of a bloodbath uh, with a pretty tight race until, you know, a team starts to emerge. Texas A&M just strikes me as that team that is going to bludgeon the least the less talented teams to death. But the second they start playing against talent that's commensurate with their level, that opens it up and has the ability to do that, they're going to take some L's. Yeah, I'm with Mike on that too. You make a lot of really good points, similar to where my mind was thinking. I've got them at three losses on the on the year. Um, I've got them losing to Alabama, LSU, and and that Ole Miss game. I feel like Ole Miss is going to force them into a shootout, and they're not built that way. Look. All respect to Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, for all the right reasons, is trending in the right direction. They draw a brutal cross-rotation with Alabama. That sucks. They have that nightmare game at Death Valley. I just don't like those three games for them. I wouldn't bet on this this total if you gave me your own money. Um, <laughs> but at nine and a half, I'm taking under as well. So, so my my reasoning for the over, um, I know they have to replace quarterback, but after that Alabama game last year, they looked like a different team. They went on seven straight games of winning, uh, winning by double digits. They they just dominated some teams, and I I think they figured some stuff out on offense. But the I still see. I agree with you on the point that Ole Miss is going to be a problem. The style just doesn't match up. But I think that they could possibly clip Alabama, and I don't believe in that LSU team. I actually have them losing to Ole Miss, and who was the other one? Um, I was saying that somewhere in the Missouri, South Carolina, Auburn, that they would slip up and accidentally – that it would just be a game that they don't show up for, and it's one of those games that you wonder how did that happen. But that's really what I saw when looking down through the schedule. I just, I think that this team and Jimbo Fisher has them built a little differently than a Texas A&M that we are used to. So you're saying that out of out of matchups with Alabama, Ole Miss, and, I, so home for Alabama at Ole Miss and at LSU, you think LSU is the least likely of those three to drop an L to Texas A&M? Wait, what? Did, what was that? At Alabama. Or home for Alabama at Ole Miss at LSU. You think I, LSU is le- is the most likely candidate for them to get a win in those three games? Oh yeah. Wait, I'm I'm confused with what you're saying. So I think <laughs> so. I'm thinking that if they have not beat Alabama in a long time, I think this is the year that they could possibly beat Alabama. I think Ole Miss is a matchup problem, and I am very low on the LSU Tigers. I don't think this is a bounce back year for them. So I think they come out and beat LSU pretty handedly. You know who else, you know who else everybody's low on, including myself, but they're kind of a, a real, I like to call these teams uh, Karens because they ruin <laughs> your day. Right. Um, we haven't, we haven't mentioned Auburn at all. And the thing is, is like, I understand all the things not to like about them, but can we all agree that Auburn has athletes and crazy shit happens? Excuse me, things happen in their game. 
It's crazy yeah. things happen in their games because of the athletes that they have, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I could see, I could see Texas A&M getting in a power matchup and beating up on Alabama, and I could see them dropping one to Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> I, I right. would pass it, you know. So, I, I just think it's more likely they lose three games than win ten games, and. Um, you know, that, that's just my, that's my take on, on Texas a and I, I understand where you're, where everybody else is sitting on them, but, um, Kellen Mond was a fixture there mm-hmm. for, for, for many, many years. And let me ask you this question too. Do you think Texas A&M wins that bowl game against UNC? If UNC doesn't have all those opt-outs? No, I don't think it's, so either. I, I watched, I watched USC play or North Carolina play all year long. If they were in a bigger conference, they would have been in a national championship conversation. They were that talented. Well, absolutely. There was an inconsistency factor with them, but when they were on, they were on. And mm-hmm. when they went to play Texas A&M in that Orange Bowl, a fully loaded Texas A&M squad that had everybody <laughs> and UNC practically had nobody, they gave them all they could handle for three and a half quarters until mm-hmm. Texas A&M's depth expressed itself and they blew them out. Yeah, I, I think they, they probably drop that game if all the guys are back, but I think that's also another type of team like an Ole Miss that has a bunch of weapons that I think it's just uh, style, of play, style of play just doesn't match up with them. And that's right. my point. That's my point. There's there's teams in the SEC West that have that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. We'll see. I I have them at ten wins, but I, yeah, I can understand where you guys are coming from. That it, it's right there. Um, but we'll see what happens next. It's hard. Up. It's Good. hard. Just one last. It's really hard to put money on a team going to double digit wins when you don't know if they're going to be able to put up points on offense. Like that's just, it's really hard. And I, I know absolutely nothing about their quarterback situation. I just know that it's not good. Now someone might come out of camp and shock the world. I don't know, but with what I've seen, it's just, I don't know how many games they're going to be. I feel like the formula was given by UNC. The formula, the SEC teams were watching that game. And the formula was given, and I feel like you're going to see more teams try to shoot out with Texas A&M than battle in the trenches with them. Yeah, uh, that's a good take on that. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, next up uh, in the line of win totals is the Florida Gators. They are sitting at uh, nine wins. Uh, Dan Mullen uh, doing a pretty good job there at Florida. I believe I saw – I was looking over stuff pretty quickly with them. I think they've won 10 games in two of the last three years, but they they have a lot to replace on the offensive side of the ball. It feels like we're saying that about a lot of teams. <laughs> teams got uh, an extra year of eligibility, but still lost a lot of guys to the NFL. Yeah. They lose Trask, Pitts, and Tony, which are all big reasons on why they finished where they were at last year. So, Michael, uh, let you get started here. What, what do you see with the Florida Gators? Yes, my – Favorite team to hate, Florida Gators. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm from Tampa originally. I'm from Tampa Bay. So, uh, you know, at first, kind of loved Florida State. Still do. Uh, when Mark Rick headed over to Georgia in like 2000, that's when you know I kind of made that transition. I have family members that went there too. But Florida mm-hmm. has been on my list <laughs> since day <laughs> one. So, um, keeping the emotions out of it, this is a push for me. I think that Florida is talented enough. Again, another one of those teams, only 16 teams in all of FBS 
have a roster that is north of 50% blue chip players, and Florida is one of them. Okay, So from a talent standpoint alone, to include who they did pick up in the transfer portal with uh, uh, interior defensive linemen like Antonio Shelton, Daquan Newkirk from Auburn on the defensive side of the ball, bolster that defensive line. I think what you're going to see is a much more competent defensive unit out of Florida mm-hmm. here and enough talent to win nine games. So it's a push for me. But when you're talking about what they're replacing on offense, not only are they repla- replacing Kyle Trask, uh, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, who's a generational tight end, and Trayvon Grimes, who's their solid number two at wide receiver as well. Stylistically, this team is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're going to see is they've now loaded the backfield, right? So they've got Demarcus Bowman coming their way from Clemson. They have a stable of solid backs there. Their offensive line is going to have to take a step forward in run game. It was atrocious last year. It, it was atrocious because it could be. They threw it all around, right? They played seven on seven. They were not a complete team last year. You saw it express itself in certain matchups. Um, but I think they'll play much better defense. They're going to go with a rushing attack. If they do that, I do not see them winning that contest against Georgia because mm-hmm. now you're talking about strength on strength in the trenches with what Georgia historically does best, right? Um the trip to LSU is going to be interesting because I know that that's going to be a revenge game for Florida, but again, LSU highest returning talent rate in the country period of all teams, right? Uh, A lot of guys got a lot of on the job training last year for LSU. I think it's going to be a really tough matchup for them. And Bama comes to town in Gainesville. I would caution Alabama to be careful with this matchup because if, Alabama is also in the position where they can't air it out like they used to. And now you're looking at a very stout, uh, excuse me, Florida defensive front. This could be an ugly game is what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. It could be nasty and the nastier and uglier Florida turns it into, they could steal a win there. But I also have a eye on the uh, November 20th matchup when they take a trip to Missouri. Missouri is a team that in the East is sort of like the Auburn is in the West you know, flying Mm -hmm. under that radar a little bit. (laughs) Missouri is a team that they don't have a lot of blue chip talent, but what they do have is an extremely experienced roster that is loaded with super seniors and red shirt juniors. And these guys are big. They're grown men. It is a roster full of grown men, right? So uh, a trip to Missouri could be tough, especially with Connor Basilak playing at quarterback um, and the, and the size that they're going to go up against when they go to Missouri. So I think three losses is likely for this team based purely on what they have to replace and how they're going to have to change the style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is going to be a completely different Florida team. And that's what I had really written down was I think this – you talked about that game getting dirty a little bit uh, in the trenches. I think they're going to have to – make a lot of these games, ugly games, the linebacker core that's back. um, That's going to be the highlight of that defense, but they did increase that uh, off or uh, the defensive line, which I think they're going to be able to get after the quarterback, unlike they did last year. And I think this is going to be a team that they win games in the teens and twenties more, more sec style than what we saw last year with with all the points. Yeah. This is a, this is like 2019 Georgia. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's this very strong defense. It's going to be a run, run first to try to set up the pass. A lot of design quarterback run. Yeah, Dan I'm- Mullen is a is a great offensive producer, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you saw what he did with Nikki Fitz at Mississippi State, <laughs> right? Who pretty much just ran the damn ball all the time, right? So, yeah. I think they'll produce something. But I agree with you. But- it's just like a twenty-eight point team. I'm interested to see what happens with the offensive line. I think that they've got some guys back, but it sounds like uh, they lost one guy. I know for sure to the draft. I can't remember. I think they have three returning starters, but those guys are going to shuffle around between guard and tackle to try to find a home. So they've got to, they've got to learn quick and get ready for the, those first couple of weeks. Cause Alabama, the, that game is uh, Alabama comes to town third week of the season. So uh, they get tested quick. Yeah. Yeah, so I have them going under uh, just because I don't like push. Um, and I don't <laughs> think they're going over. If this was nine and a half, I would take the under. If it was eight and a half, I'd probably take the over. Um, but I'm going to go under. I, I agree with everything that's said. It's going to be on Dan Mullen and Emory Jones to find the new identity of this team for sure. I'm actually on the side of the ball that says Todd Grantham was not a good decision for their defense. Um, I think that the defense takes a step back this year. And I look at three losses that I'm, I would book right now, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. And then I've got three toss-up games as well that could go either way. I've got Missouri. i got Kentucky. And watch out for Florida State. Um, that could be a toss-up game there, too, for this Florida team. So, yeah, I'm going under on this. Yeah, that's that, I was kind of sitting in the seven, eight wins range. I, I, I really like eight and four because um, I think those three games, and then I think they slip up one other time. So I am going under as well, but I think it's right there. Uh, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't like pushes. So I I had nine at first, and I was like, I, I got to find a the way. The only reason I don't like it is because there's only one sport you can bet on a push, and that's soccer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I took the coward's way out for sure, but that's that, that's just what I have in my notes here. Yeah. I would I would challenge you with this. Think about the SEC East, right? Vanderbilt, South Carolina, right? Kentucky needed like the stars to align to beat the Gators once in 30 years or something like that. Tennessee <laughs> is not in the position to do it. So Honestly, if I had to lean in a direction, I would actually lean to the over and say that they lose two games as opposed to four games, you know. So, but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and keep my conservative ways because I, you know, uh, I've got nine written down, so I'm just gonna push. <laughs> so we got two unders and a push. Yep. Uh, huh. Hey, I, I like it. We I like that we're not all agreeing here. We have we have some good back and forth here going to, at, for different points. This uh, this next one here. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit so far in some of these different schedules, but the LSU Tigers look to bounce back. They go from 2019, possibly having the best season of all time, to 2020. They uh, they sat at what was their five and five. Yeah. So big setback there. I'm actually on the camp of they kind of sit right around where they were last year. I have them at six and six Vegas and a lot of people out there are high on them coming back. I know you said that they have the highest return rate of everyone in the country. Ta- the only, talent wise. Talent yeah. Wise. Ta- talent wise. Yeah. The only thing I worry about is that it was a five and five team. When, when everybody returns, that can be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It could be just bad players returning. It could be another year of growth. So there are a lot of question marks up on the air, up in the air. If, 
the LSU players learned from last year and are growing, or if they kind of stay, stay in that same spot and kind of just muddy their way through the season. So I have them at six and six um, in the under, but Michael, I'll, I'll let you get into some of the analytics on that and what, uh, what this team looks like. Yeah. So for this, for this team, for LSU, I just took a step back and looked at the big picture. It's easy to get lost in a lot of the minutia of, you know, Hey, they did this and they were this on third down and they had this rate. How many five lost seasons does LSU have since the year 2000? 2003. <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I didn't, I, I off the top of my head, I know it's less than three. You know, so this is not a program that historically gets down nor stays down. They have three national championships in this century, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that they will make a jump back. I'm taking the over on this one. I have them at nine wins. Again, I think that it could get really interesting in the SEC West. LSU has arguably the best cornerback in the country and Derek Stingley Jr. He a, might he might be the best player in the country. He could be. And maybe he maybe he'll win the Heisman. Maybe he will and like, you know, <laughs> reverse some of that uh that bad juju from when they stole it from uh, Tyron Matthew. Um but he's a lockdown guy. He's gonna cover half the field right there. Their defensive front is young but got a lot of reps last year, a lot of on the job training and these were very highly touted recruits. LSU has out-recruited Georgia the last two years. That's something that no, – well, I mean, last year, and they're currently out-recruiting them this year. Um, that's something that, you know, everybody in Athens doesn't want to talk about, but it's <laughs> true, okay? Um, and then, you know, again, there's shockwaves of success from that 2019 team, right? Now, I know that most of that roster's in the NFL to include the coaching staff and everybody else, but there were young guys who were on that team that know what it's like to win. And they know what it's like to be around a championship atmosphere. And I think they're going to carry themselves with that coming into this year. They do have the potential to get wrecked at this stretch of their schedule that goes from October 16th through the 6th of November when they have to play Florida, Ole Miss, and Bama in that order, one, two, three. Um, so that could be a really tough stretch for this team. But, again, just just the talent that they have in depth, the snaps that they took, I'm looking for them to bounce back. Now, does nine wins keep Ed Orgeron in Baton Rouge? That's a different <laughs> episode completely. I don't know, but I think that this team is capable of nine wins. Yeah, um, I'm going over as well. Um, I love the healthy com uh, quarterback competition they have there with Miles Brennan leading the way last year's starter. They were what five and five last year. They only got ten games in. Yeah. I think I think getting rid of Bo Pelini as the defensive coordinator is worth two more wins right there. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's just it's too it's too easy. Plus, look, the offense that we saw in 2019 is his, is statistically the best offense in college football history. There's no debating that. What they did was phenomenal. I think they have the offensive firepower to make that this year's team second to that 2019 team. If they hit on all cylinders and like JT said, if everyone returning is a good thing and not just a returning of bad players, but if you look at what if you look at their recruits that returned from last year and what they were talked about when they were coming in or anything like that, this team has a lot of firepower, and I just don't think eight and a half is a good number. Um, I do like them to lose to Ole Miss. 
I, I do. I think that uh, Ole Miss is probably a little bit more talented. Um, take the over in that one. Take the over for sure. Um, I don't want to say more talented because that kind of contradicts because that's not what I meant to say. I think they're built for that type of game. I think they're built for that type of game. At 2019, LSU was built to do that game in, game out. You were just going to have to outscore us, and you weren't going to do it because you couldn't mm-hmm. cover us. Um, I think L- Ole Miss is that team this year, so I like the loss there. But, yeah, I like nine, nine or ten. Something, or- to, con- uh, something to consider as well is uh, Kayshawn Butte at wide receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. He is he's going to be one of the premier deep threats in all of college football. So they have a killer on offense. They got a lockdown on defense and talent splashed all around them. So yeah, yeah that uh, the one thing um, the offensive coordinator from 2019 he he jumped ship right. He got a job somewhere after that season. Joe Brady. Yes, yeah. I, I, could, yeah, I couldn't think of the name. He's he's with the uh, Panthers. Last yes. I heard. Yes. So that uh, that's the one thing that I'm interested to see is uh, Ed Orgeron and I'm drawing a blank on who their OC is now, but if they can schematically get those great athletes on the offensive side open, because I think he was a big part. I mean, obviously 2019, it, it wasn't all him. They, they had some of the best players in college history, but I, I think that schematically he did such a great job with them that I'm interested to see if they can recreate something like that to get back and compete with the Bama, the A&Ms, all these other teams in the conference. Can you imagine being a Carolina Panther fan, having Matt rule and Joe Brady with Christian McCaffrey? (laughs) Like that's. (laughs) And, and what winning six games. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. That was the point I was making. Like, can you imagine what they go through emotionally? I this is yeah, a health check for all my Panthers fans out there. <laughs> uh, I will say one last point when we're talking about staffs with LSU. A lot of restructuring happened. Uh, obviously, Bo Pelini was let go. Steve Ensminger, who was the in the OC role last year, was uh, repurposed to an analyst. The new passing game coordinator they have coming in was actually a guy that worked with Joe Brady at Carolina last year. Oh, okay. So uh, if – it, it's literally, I, I was making a joke about this is like Ed Orgeron is hanging on the phone with like an ex-girlfriend, like, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I really liked what we did in 2019. Can you get me somebody back over here? can do that. So I think he's trying to, to recreate that magic. And if I was SEC West teams, I'd be watching a lot of 2019 tape right now. Yeah. So well, we'll see what happens there. Um, next up on the list, as we roll down through the middle of the SEC, a team that put up a lot of points last year, but also couldn't stop anybody. Uh, the Ole Miss Rebels, they are sitting at seven and a half wins. I think they have uh, – do you have the number on how many returners they have? Because offensively, I think they have a bunch of their guys back. So they could put up a bunch of numbers again. Uh, we'll see if the defensive side is any different. But seven and a half, I'm taking the over. I think that – this is a good Ole Miss team, and they grow a little bit from last year. They, they took a, lo- a lot of beatings on the defensive side, but I think things changed a little bit. Lane Kiffin's still always going to put up a lot of points. So uh, what, what do we got here? Yeah, I mean, my thing with my thing with Ole Miss, whew, 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 whew. they're going to be able to put up 45 on just about anybody, but they're going to give up 55 every other game. <laughs> like – so it, it's kind of hard to – I think they're going to be must-see TV for real. I see three losses. I'm taking over seven and a half. I think that's low. Um, I, I do. I 
I have a weird feeling about the um, the Arkansas game. I think that actually might sneak up on them for an L, uh, but I still like them to get to eight wins. I don't have much else on them other than everything we've already said. I mean, it feels like in every matchup we've talked about, it's like, watch out for Ole Miss, watch out for Ole Miss, and now it's time to talk about them, and I've got nothing else. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Seven. I'm Seven. taking the. I'm taking the under. Yep, I'm taking the under with Ole Miss. Uh, here's the deal. Um, I literally have it in my show notes here from my pod. I've got potential losses actually in Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. Potential, like I said, they could easily clip them too. Arkansas does return a very stout, sneaky, good defense. So does Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State returns a top twenty defensive unit. Um, I'm also, I'm also eyeing that Louisville matchup as a potential crazy shootout because Malik Cunningham is a playmaker. And I think in a, like a normal year, you know, that they didn't experience it obviously last year, uh, Satterfield with another year to develop what he's got going on there. I could see that game turning into some crazy gyms on Joe's action where it's just who's going to make more plays. And I think that Malik Cunningham could be a more dynamic playmaker than Matt Corral. Now, Matt Corral is a very good quarterback, very solid quarterback. I would put him as a top three quarterback in the SEC coming in this year, right? Mm -hmm. That defense, (laughs) that defense, man. Like, let let me put – let me put it it, is It it can't get any worse, can it? (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, it can because (laughs) their top tackler – uh, middle linebacker Jaquez Jones transferred to Kentucky. So they, they've they now lost their top tackler on an already bad defense. Um, now they have addressed defense in the recruiting pipeline, but again, that's going to take some time to develop. They also lost an edge rusher from their squad that went to uh, Indiana. So they've lost guys on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think I get, I just, I get the feeling that Lane Kiffin for, the genius he is on offense, right, and how fun he is at media day and everything else like that is still learning how to be a complete coach, right? Um, so I'm not sure what that what that Ole Miss defense is going to look like. Now, they do have a guy in the secondary, Otis Reese, used to play at Georgia, who could be a potential playmaker for them uh, at, uh, at, free, at strong safety. But my thing is this. They are going to push the pace on you. They're going to move the ball on you. If you can limit the them taking the top off of you and play good red zone defense or play enough defense against Ole Miss, there's your recipe for beating them. That's your mm-hmm. recipe for beating them. You're, they're going to move the ball. Let them move the ball between the 20s all day. But the second they get in the red zone, you need to hold them to a field goal or shut them down. Um, again, a, another team, if you steal a possession from them, they're in trouble, I think, because defensively I don't think they're going to be able to stop you. So – I see them getting seven wins. I think that those seven wins could look very interesting. I think mm-hmm. that they could end up knocking out a couple of big boys in those seven wins, but I could also see them losing the likes of Arkansas, <laughs> Auburn, you know, um, maybe Mississippi State as well. So I- I'm taking seven. This is still a work in progress, but a very exciting one to watch. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. I, I think that well, we're all in the same camp that they're going to be fun to watch and that – they're going to take down somebody. 
that that offense is going to be able to upset somebody. I'm glad George is not playing. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I think there's going to be a lot of close games too, that uh, that'll swing. It'll be somewhere between seven to nine wins just based off their ability to close. Fourth quarter is going to be crucial for where this team ends up. Yeah, I've got six wins for them that I would be willing to guarantee. Um, As an ACC guy, I can tell you right now, Louisville is not going to be what you think they're going to be. ACC media poll today confirmed that. They're picked to finish second to last to Syracuse in the Atlantic this year. Um, they're not They're not going to be good. So I got Ole Miss with wins over Louisville, Austin, PA, Tulane, Tennessee, Liberty, and Vanderbilt. That means with the remaining six, they just got to find me two wins to get over seven and a half. So I, that, it's more of a numbers game for me. I agree with I could very easily see them staying. I could see them sitting at seven and staying but I could also see six guaranteed wins on the schedule and I just need two more to win my bet. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, definitely going to be entertaining to watch them. Don't, don't sleep on Matt Corral though. He <laughs> might, he might be a Heisman push candidate. Yeah, he could. The only thing that worries me is what happens if he gets hurt. Yeah. There's not much behind him. Yeah. That's, so, that's my, that's my deal. But the Heisman's an individual award, so I'm not worried no. about who's behind him. <laughs> no, I, I, of course. I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that, Old Miss's depth is not there yet, yeah. and you know the, who the, do they have? Do they have anyone behind Jerry on early? Um, and Kenny Yaboa is gone too at tight end. I, I'm I'm Ooh. I'm giving them these seven wins off of the schematics that Lane Kiffin is going to be able to put together. He will mm-hmm. find your deficiencies, but as far as explosive playmakers, at, at, you know, pass catching threats from last year, they have lost. They have lost some. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so from one team that lost a few players to a team that lost a bunch of guys, uh, the Missouri Tigers, I I did not realize this number was up this high, but they have had 17 players enter the transfer portal. They are sitting at seven wins on the Barstool Sportsbook. So they've got new quarterback, I believe, or no, he's returning quarterback. Connor Bazelak. Connor Bazelak. He's sophomore. A, uh, both lines, I think, are good. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier, Michael, that they're going to be a team that they are really going to make you work in the trenches on both sides of the sides of the ball. Um, I I like the total where it's at. Um, if I had to pick a side, I'm leaning at six and six instead of uh, if I can't take seven, which is kind of where I like them. It, if you're asking me, do I like them at six or eight? better i like them at six so i'm going to take the under but i think this is a this is a team that's going to make some teams work throughout the season but they're just not going to get rewarded for it yeah i'm i'm taking the over if it's seven i'm I'm going to eight um and the reason i'm going to eight even with the transfer uh you know news which by the way is not now 17 is kind of high but for a team like Missouri, but it's not always a bad problem. You see Georgia mm-hmm. year in and year out and a lot of other upper-tier teams where people are transferring because they can't crack the roster. Yeah. You know, So um, it's not always a bad problem to have. Uh, 17 is a little concerning. But, again, this team is loaded with a lot of tangibles and intangibles. The tangibles are size and strength. The intangibles are guys that have played college football for four or five years at this point. Right. Um, So when you have continuity like that going against, again, an sec East climate that really only has two killers in it. Right. Kentucky, I think is more of a toss up could be a toss up for Missouri, but I, I, 
I, I like them in that matchup against Kentucky off of quarterback play alone, right? And we see the way the league is going these days. When you have a competent quarterback, it is such a big advantage. Uh, Connor Bazelak is, I think, a top five or six quarterback in the SEC uh, coming back this year. So I like them in that one. And then if we're looking strength on strength as far as across the conferences, I know that we might have some ACC fans in here or, you know, whatever else, but with the exception of UNC, who I thought represented themselves very well with a depleted squad against Texas A&M, the rest of the ACC look like hot garbage in bowl <laughs> games, cross, cross conference playing each other. Right. So I would give the, the, the lean to Missouri over Boston college right now. That's going to be a really fun matchup to watch with Connor Bazelak and Phil Dracovic going back and forth. I think they are pretty evenly matched teams, but I'm going to give the nod to, to Missouri to take that one. So I think eight and four because they're in the East, like literally. If they were in the West, I agree. This is a six, seven win team, but in the East, I'm thinking eight wins for this team. Yeah, and you make a good point. Uh, the Boston College game is being built as this uh, – you know, this, this awesome non-conference tilt because ACC media poll came out today. Boston College picked to finish third in the Atlantic, which is Clemson's division. And that's big news for Boston College. And I'm glad that headlines make them happy for their football team. But again, you're the best of a bad situation. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not good over there. So I have them winning that game. I, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth from something I said earlier. I'm taking a push here. Um, I think <laughs> seven is the number, but I will say this. You mentioned Kentucky. My toss-up game is Texas A&M. If they beat Texas A&M, I have them going over seven. If they lose that game, I still like the under, but I can still see them getting seven. You look at their schedule, Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri State, Boston College, North Texas, and Vanderbilt. That's five, maybe. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, the only one there fine. is Boston College, maybe. So you might get out of that stretch four and one. Uh, so you got to find three more. I don't see it. Did you mention? It, did you mention South Carolina? I don't know what how I feel about South Carolina right now in getting relation to Missouri. Home. Yeah, getting that them at home that that's the big thing is getting Texas A and M, South Carolina, and Florida all at home. Mm. I think is the big yeah. thing for them that they can probably get at least one of those. Yeah, yeah. If I not two, South, I could see South Carolina. I think they dr- I think they drill South Carolina, and I think they have the potential to beat Florida. What do we feel about Arkansas though? I so Arkansas is interesting. Again, they have talent. Cause that Splashing. would be their seventh win. If we think they could compete with Arkansas, yeah. that's seven wins we just put out. That's the line. So that means they got to get a win at Kentucky home for Texas A&M at Georgia or home with Florida. So right. I might, yeah. Ooh, it's tough. I uh, I think I th- I like them. I like them over Arkansas. I do. Um, again, tough physical contest. You know, you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a team that that's going to play big boy football. They're going to try to bludgeon you, but they have a talented signal caller back there that can make throws when they need it. So, mm-hmm. and again, scheduling matters. It depends on when that game falls too, because if, if that Arkansas game falls right before they got to go on a stretch or to play Georgia and Florida in the next two of the three weeks, those are two I, losses for sure. I believe. So I believe that Arkansas game ends the season. I believe that's the Thanksgiving game. Oh, I don't know so, if that Arkansas team is the team you want to see when you're <laughs> already <laughs> been through the entirety of your schedule. 
Yeah, we'll, uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, we'll see. Um, but yeah, see, that, like, here's the thing. I just want to make a caveat. We wouldn't be having this conversation with the ACC or the Big Twelve or any of the other schools. It's very top point. heavy. It's that's very top heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. we're having debates. How many times have we said it's going to be interesting? It's going to. It's because of the well, conference we're talking about. And, and that and that's my point of the six. Like I mentioned, sixteen teams right uh, above that blue chip ratio. Seven of them reside in the SEC. How many in the SEC East? Uh, three, surprisingly. Tennessee is still there, even with all the transfers. <laughs> I feel like the, I, the only reason Tennessee gets recruits, they have to have – I've seen I've taken tours. They've got to have the best facilities in the country. They have a fantastic facility. They, they, they do. We, we actually – I had a, a buddy on, on my pod to discuss. We did a whole episode on Tennessee. But uh, they have three in the East. They've got four in the West. Um, if you look at the Big Ten, they have three total, right? right. Mm-hmm. If you look at the ACC, they've got two. Miami right. being so the second. Miami's the second, just just now. You know? Right. The, the so, U is back, fine, baby. Yeah, they're finally getting back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want them back. Yeah, that's uh, add more competition to uh, to that conference. I mean, as a I fan, just don't want I'm, Miami at all. I tell you what, we'll precursor this whole thing. Let's say that Oklahoma and Texas A and M and Texas end up in the SEC. Fantastic. I will give you Miami right now for nobody. <laughs> they can just go to the Big 12. I, I don't want them either. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping, as a West Virginia fan, I'm hoping to get out of that conference, but, but that's that's a conversation for a different day. We'll we'll, we'll get into that later on in the week, but uh, I'd rather you, have You know Iowa what? And, hey, I'll tell you what, man. As a, as a guy who played at FIU, <laughs> nine miles from Coral Gables, getting that big fight with him, I don't like him. But – if you're talking in terms of talent down there, you got to respect it. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, if all those kids stayed home, Miami would be at a level uh, that is Alabama-esque, if not higher. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that's interesting to see what happens with NIL. Um, if they're able to keep some of those guys, if you have some money to float around with some uh, with some donors, it, you could possibly see my, Miami's already on its way back, but you could see them rise possibly back to what they were in the early 2000s. It's possible. Mm. But uh, we, we can get that more into that uh, when we talk about the ACC. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, we're on to the second half of the SEC. And we just talked about them a little bit. The Kentucky Wildcats, they are also sitting at seven games. And I'm, I think that this is a down Kentucky team a little bit. But I think they got uh, a very favorable schedule, avoiding Alabama, avoiding A&M, and I think avoiding an Ole Miss team that would have been a bad matchup in terms of just styles of play. The middle of their schedule will be rough. But if they can get through that stretch at a decent clip, I think this is an eight-win football team. So I am taking the over with them. I have a little more belief in Will Levis than than a lot of people do. He's coming in from Penn State. Uh, he's been moved all around that team, finally gets a chance to start at quarterback, has a good group of receivers to throw to to help him try to flourish. Josh Ali, Wandell Robinson – uh, he was the Nebraska transfer. And then you got a couple tight ends. O-line's been consistent the past few years. I think the offense can help carry this team since they don't have to play any of the big powerhouses. I think the offense is good enough to get them through to eight wins. The line's at seven, you said? 
Yes. So on mine, I've got them at seven. So technically I would push again, but I will take the over and I will say that they have the potential to be an eight win squad as well. I think that that, that race between them and Missouri is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be tight between those two in the East. Um, and, uh, again, to get them to eight wins, they need to beat Louisville. And I, I like them in that matchup. You have to look at the rest of these games they have on here. I mean, they have Louisiana Monroe. They've got uh, Tennessee Christian. No, it's uh, Chattanooga. Uh, yeah, UT University Chattanooga. Yeah. New Mexico the, the, State. New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Like those are easily five wins right there. Boom. Yeah, right, the, so. the the big thing for me is that their uh, road matchups in the conference are at South, South Carolina, which I think is a win, at Georgia, which I, I think they lose that one, at Mississippi State, which I think it, they're going to win that one, and at Vanderbilt, which yeah. is, I think, a win. So that's the big thing is that uh, not only did you avoid all those uh, teams that I said earlier, Bama, A&M, and Ole Miss, but then you got a favorable road schedule. So I, I think all of that plays out in their favor. I would like to know why I'd like to be a fly on the wall for why Will Levis did, was unable to unseat Sean Clifford at Penn state because Sean Clifford at Penn state is a guy I have been very critical of in big games. He's just a guy that, you know, and again, I'm a critic. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm not in the arena. So <laughs> all props to him. He's a, I'm sure he's a great young man, but I've seen him just kind of unravel in big situations. So I'm wondering what, what? the deal was there and why he's at Kentucky. Um, now, I will say this. From a pure passer standpoint, this is the best quarterback Kentucky's had in a while. Um, whether or not that translates, I don't know, but I do like it for their situation. So, yeah, I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over, too. Uh, one thing that I always like to mention, um, I'm a big Stoops family coaching tree guy. Um, I think they've got some of the best minds in college football. Um a lot can be said for Mark Stoops has been able to develop in the trenches on both sides of the ball at Kentucky. I think that that right there, puncher's chance in every single game they play, even against some of the bigger schools. Um, I don't think Kentucky is the same doormat they used to be when it comes to football. I think that that's been evidenced over the last couple of years, and it's continuing to trend upward. Um, so I'm going to take over, too, just because of the matchups they have. Um, and look, Florida, LSU, and Tennessee at home, I think they might end up grabbing one of those. So I'm taking over as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the, the last of the seven-win teams uh, projected uh, for this year, and that's the Auburn Tigers. And I think everything that we said about Kentucky's schedule, I think Auburn got a little bit of the short end of the stick. Uh, out of conference, they have to go play Penn State. We'll see. I mean, that's always a – tough matchup they get lsu and AM on the road so they have to go there bama and georgia two of the best teams in the conference at home i think those are probably all losses bo nix yeah i mean we, we've seen the story of bo nix for three years now i think he could possibly lose the job to tj finley but i think that's a qb battle that we'll have to watch over the next month or so it either way i don't like either of them i i think Neither of them are the guy to help this Auburn team get to eight wins. And for that reason, I'm taking the under on Auburn. But, Michael, what do you got? Yeah, again, a, a push situation for me. But if I had to lean in a direction, I would also lean towards the under with a very 
very uh, big word of caution to this tale, right? And I was thinking about this the other day, and I actually posted this in an Auburn group that I'm part of just to try <laughs> to get like information stuff. What if, and I have the sneaking suspicion, what if the biggest thing holding Auburn back was Auburn with the way that they were calling games offensively? With all the window dressing, the gimmicks, the misdirections, the the stuff that's not going to work in the SEC because the defenses are too fast and they're too talented. Mm-hmm. I I loved it from being a dogs fan perspective watching Auburn squander possession after possession, but my mind goes back to a game in 2019 where Georgia won by a touchdown, and Auburn gave them all the help they could get. You know, as far as just the the play calling was mind boggling to me. Right. I think that their key offensively this year is not their signal caller. It's their back. It's Tank Bigsby Mm -hmm. and whether or not he can stay healthy through the duration of the year and whether or not that offensive line can get off the ball and get some push this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brian Harson, Coach Harson, simplify this whole thing and start using these top 10 recruiting classes just to play fast in a very simple scheme, right? And if they do that well and they execute that well, we could see a team that is an eight-win team. However, with this schedule, the trip to Penn State, which I actually think is more of a toss-up than people think, uh, but I'm, 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 I'm marking it as an L. Um, and the, everybody else they have to take on in the schedule, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking – I'm thinking six as well. They, they, they're they 15th in the football power index right now, and they have the third overall strength of schedule. And so when you have a negative correlation like that, it usually trends downward. Yeah. Yeah. What's the number seven? Yes. Yeah. Uh, under. Um, first year head coach implementing a new system and your best options at quarterback are Bo Nix and TJ Finley. I don't like that to add up to a lot of wins. Uh, so I, I mean, they've got, it looks like they knew what their schedule was going to be because their out of conference schedule outside of Penn state is trash, which I mean, <laughs> it's every sec team, but Akron, Alabama state and Georgia state, uh, th- those will be their three wins. And then I go through and I look at it, Arkansas at Arkansas home for Ole Miss home for Mississippi state at South Carolina, maybe another win, but at Penn state at LSU, Georgia at A and M at, yeah, I don't know it's if they brutal. get to five. I don't know it's, if they get to five. <laughs> it's, it, it's it's brutal. I, I could honest, I could very much see Auburn clipping one of the teams that you think they are going to lose to, and then turning right around and losing to a South Carolina, Mississippi State, or an Arkansas. You know, I mean I, that. Uh, I think that uh, that's just the story of Auburn. What, what who whoever yeah. the coach is, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's. I, I will say. Right I will say this for Auburn. Um, if if you're if you're betting overs unders, I would lean towards unders with this team because they do have one of the finest secondaries in all of mm-hmm. college football. Roger McCreary, Christian Tut, and uh, Smoke Monday returning. The entire secondary is returned. They're very talented. They did a great job last year. Uh, it's just everywhere else was crap. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, the, that uh, that's for sure. We'll we'll move on here as we get down towards the last last five schools in the conference, Mississippi state. This is a team that I had a tough time to trying to figure out. Uh, there's, there's a lot to dive into here, but uh, Michael, what do you got here? Uh, Mississippi state's at six. 
um, with a tough schedule. Uh, yeah. What do you think about them? Yeah, again, push. I agree. Um, look, I have my show notes right here. Like the FPI, the Football Power Index, gave these guys ridiculous love. They put them at eight overall back a couple months ago, which <laughs> made headlines, right? I called BS. It has since shifted, right? They do return a top 20 defensive unit largely intact. But here's the here's the here's the deal. If you think there's going to be some kind of huge offensive video game style jump from last year to this year, Mississippi State was 109th in overall offense. So even if they were to jump 50 spots, that's still like a 59th rated offense. I mm-hmm. don't think that that's bringing enough offense to the party to get north of a 500 schedule in the SEC West against the teams that are going to be able to put up points. And so, you know, even if you see improvement, which I would think a 500 record for these guys would be improvement. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I like, I like where they're headed. Um, but this year I've got them at, I've got them at six. I think they're good enough to win six. If health and depth become an issue, I would lean towards five or four wins. So, yeah. um, I would certainly not take the over. So I'm taking under six um, with a bold prediction, probably for most people. Uh, Mike Leach, his system's not going to work in the SEC. And one thing he showed us last year is his, I don't know if it's his inability or his stubbornness to adjust when defenses throw different things at him. He just won't do it. He is going to continue to believe his offense is going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. And we've seen it time and time again. If it doesn't, it's the players. It's not him. (laughs) I don't think that that offense is going to have success in the SEC. So I'm taking under. And I'm also going to go out here and say they don't get a win in the SEC this year. That is a bold take. (laughs) Gosh, man. Twist the knife. I I had them losing to to Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. I'm just read them out. You tell me where a win's going to come. Uh, I mean, they, they do go at at Vanderbilt, but I mean, I'm going to spoil this one for uh, in a few picks, but I actually have the over in Vandy. I think they improve with the new staff there a little bit. So the Vandy would be the game that they should probably win, but uh, yeah, their schedule is for a team in their situation. Brutal. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested in what everybody. happens with Will Rogers. Uh, Will Rogers, a quarterback, he doesn't fit Mike Leach's system. And like you said, Mike Leach is stubborn. He's going to try to want to push the ball down the field. And Will Rogers did not show any sign of being able to do that. He wanted to just, uh, he always took the check down route, uh, was trying not to make mistakes. If he is forced into trying to take gambles down the field, it could turn into a turnover problem for Mississippi State and cause a lot of trouble for that defense. Having to be on the field a lot. Well, the yeah, the air raid, the way that it's it's run, if you go man, they're going to go deep. If you go zone, they're going to take underneath because they don't really have a running game. Like yeah. the short passing game is their running game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. I, I, I was very skeptical of whether or not this offense would work at all. The only the, – the, ironically enough, the, the best flashes you saw this offense was against Georgia. You know, when when uh, apparently our linebackers, you know, seem to be at 12 yards of depth for whatever reason. And they just <laughs> they kept dumping eight yards, eight yards, eight yards. Um, so, yeah, I'm also looking at um, that NC State matchup. I think NC State is going to be a team that's going to surprise people this year. So mm-hmm. I actually like NC State in that matchup against Mississippi State, even though it's on the road. Um, 
but yeah, I still th- I still think they could be a six win squad. I think they do get a, a, a an SEC win or two. I think that, that definitely Vanderbilt is just their bait. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think that they are the team that I'm looking at between them and Arkansas, depending on what happens there. That they could uh, between those two and Vandy, those three are going to be at the bottom of my list of the conference. But uh, well, we'll go next up. The other six team, six win team here, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. You put them. Uh, you you told us earlier that they they continue to recruit at a high rank, but they continue to not show it on the field. Um, I, I loved it a couple of years ago when West Virginia went in there first game of the season in Charlotte and took them down because their fans might be the most annoying fans. On, on the planet because they still think it's 1998. But uh, have you and, ever been? Have you ever been to a South Carolina or or Florida game? No, that, I have not. So my, <laughs> I have not interacted with many SEC fans. Tennessee's just one of the first ones right. uh, of recent uh, that I can think of. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of teams in this conference that can be up there on the list of fans that are tough to deal with. Oh, of course, yeah, we're obnoxious. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, Tennessee is another team that I, as we got down here towards the bottom, I, I have some thoughts on the the last three teams. But Tennessee is another team that it, it's tough to put a nose on on whether they're gonna. I, I had them right at six wins, but it's another team that I can't figure out. Yeah, so I have them at six wins because I see five wins right away. Okay, I got them winning Vanderbilt. I got them beating South Carolina. South Carolina is not going to be good this year. They're going to be very bad this year. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, South Alabama, Bowling Green, and Tennessee Tech. Tech, right? So five wins right there. All they have to do is get one more win. Sometime in the, that, that six-game stretch, I think they have the ability to do it. I know that right now ACC chatter is that Pitt is supposed to be pretty decent, right, coming into this next year because of the way they finished last year. They have some good stuff returning, and I previewed Pitt as being pretty decent too. They have to go to Neyland Stadium, and they have to go to Neyland Stadium week one before Tennessee loses games, right? <laughs> when, <laughs> when everybody believes that Tennessee could be good and they're going to get the full juice and they're going to get a full capacity stadium in 2021 and maybe well, the, the most highly anticipated season, right? Which uh, Pitt, Pitt is not used to having fans in any of their games. So that uh, that's something that they're never used to. They don't even have their own stadium. So let's put it that way. So um, they are going to go into one of the meccas of college football as far as like stadium venues go, right? And that place is going to be raucous. Um, so that is going to be a very tough game for them to pull out. Um, I think that's a toss-up, but that could be potentially six wins right there. Will that be pit game of the Because I have that as the week two matchup. Uh, I think Bowling Green is week zero. I think Tennessee plays in that in that first week of uh, – I think there's only like three games on the schedule, the, the weird week uh, okay. zero. Okay. So I'm sorry. Either way, it's the first power five matchup that they're yeah. going to have, right? And so I think that there'll be a really tough environment for Pitt to come in and get a win. Now, I will say this. Here's all the bad. Full-blown dumpster fire. 
right? We know all the recruiting violations that came out. 35 players have left this program. Okay, <laughs> the, their whole team basically ended up on Oklahoma. <laughs> right, yeah. and, and several other rosters. So I could see that having, obviously, all the distractions and everything else to send this team down to maybe three wins, right? But if they're sitting at six, I'll take the push. I'm not taking the over because of what they've lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you uh... – that you mentioned that they went to uh, all went to Oklahoma because didn't Josh Heupel coach at Oklahoma as well? Oh, was, he that, played was that quarterback there? Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting that they're swapping people. I think the best quarterback in their quarterback room is Hendon Hooker, the transfer from Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched him for two ish years now. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say. I don't know if he's a grad transfer or not, but I know it's. I've seen him at least two years that's not a good quarterback to have as the number one quarterback in your quarterback room. Um, but that being said, they also have Harrison Bailey and Joe Milton. So it doesn't have to be just him. He's just the most proven quarterback at the time. Right. So I actually like over on this. Um, I like over six. Um, I think they're going to beat Pitt. Um, I don't think Pitt's ready for that game. Um, I think they, they get the win at South Carolina. Um, I think that they could get that, that seventh win at Missouri. I like that game for them. So, yeah, I'm going to go over on there. Uh, nice little uh, – I had push, and then we, we had – or we had two pushes and over there. So, uh, down to the last three teams of the conference, these are the bottom dwellers. There's a big jump. Everybody else at the top of this conference, it went by half a game, one game as we as we went down through here. Yep. We jumped from six games to three and a half. And then you and, fall off a cliff. Yeah, yeah you fall <laughs> off a cliff to end this thing. Yeah. South Carolina, new coach, uh, name that we're used to hearing, Shane Beamer, uh, the son of Frank Beamer, takes mm-hmm. over. Uh, so he, uh, uh, the South Carolina total is set at three and a half. I, I actually, I kind of like this team to get to four just because Will Muschamp's not there anymore. <laughs> I think that that, uh, that caused a lot of problems and he has not been good, uh, while he's been there, but I could also see this being the worst team in the conference. I could, but I see, I see three or four wins. They're going to win their out-of-conference games, and then they might get one other game. But other than that, they're not winning more than one game in this conference. Yeah, so uh, if it's a three-and-a-half, I'm taking the over just to go to four. Mm-hmm. That's what I have them at. And I have them at four because of Kevin Harris at running back, um, a guy that averaged north of six yards per carry, had 15 touchdowns last year. This is a grown ass man who runs the ball i mean he is a tough tough out to take down um he's a guy that breaks tackles in the backfield and then takes it for 10 more yards i mean he's just that kind of guy um so he could be a difference maker in their in their uh competitions but uh, bottom line up front or the bluff as i like to say right bottom line up front (laughs) this is uh this team this organization is not going to get any better until they have a switch at athletic director. And I've never having met Mr. Tanner, excuse <laughs> me, but I thought it was really ridiculous and, and super foolish. The comments he made as Will Muschamp exited the program 
And then he goes and he hires Shane Beamer, who again, a guy that I have never met and I'm sure he knows more about football than I do. And he could do the job better than I can. Right. But when we've seen South Carolina have their best success, it's been with a proven product at head coach and mm -hmm. Steve Spurrier. Right. And, uh, in, um, Lou Holtz, right? The, 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 the two times that South Carolina was relevant, right? Two proven products at, at the coaching position that can recruit the way that that program needs to. South Carolina is absolutely a sleeping giant, but that program is asleep. It is really asleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I'm telling you though, watch out if they, if they, their lack of success over these next couple of years, don't be surprised if you see a Gus Malzahn or a Bill O'Brien land over there at South Carolina and then, oh boy, you know, now the East has a third, you know, or however many teams we eat by then has a, <laughs> has a third, uh, you know, powerhouse over there. But four wins is what I have for South Carolina locking it in. Yeah, I, it's hard to say under when it's at three and a half. I, I see three wins on their schedule. I don't think they're going to get the home win against Vandy. Um, I'm with JT. I think Vandy's a little bit of a better team than South Carolina, especially with a first-year coach in Shane Beamer. Um, you know where his mind is going to be uh, coming from Beamer Ball. You know what that what he's going to want that team to do, and I don't think they have the athletes to do it just yet. But, it, again, it's hard to go under three and a half, so I, I'll go over. Yeah, uh, I think well, we're all there in the set. It, it, it's tough with these teams at the bottom of the conference because they set the totals kind of like how Alabama was set so high that there's really not uh, – you can't go any higher. These teams are sitting at three and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into Arkansas as, to, as well. They're at three and a half. And you have three cupcakes sitting there out of conference – it's tough to say under for these teams. I think Arkansas possibly could be the team that goes under and only gets the three wins because they have Texas to deal with. And I don't see much on that Arkansas roster on the offensive side of the ball. I think that defense is going to have to spend a lot of time on the field, which could cause problems. Felipe Franks is gone. Who's going to take over a quarterback? I, I think they they struggled. I don't know how the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure even with Franks at under center, they struggled to possess the football. So it could get even worse this year. So uh, of the two teams, I think both of these teams are three to four win teams, but I'm going to go a split South Carolina over, and then I'm going to take Arkansas under just to see. Uh, I'm going to take a risk there. So this is where uh, I hit the crazy button, and I'm going over. And I had Arkansas winning five games. Oh, really? Actually, yeah. I have them at five and seven. Uh, again, they have some cupcakes on their schedule out of conference. And I'll tell you this right now. Texas better be ready to play Arkansas coming in. Like, they, that, is a, that is a matchup that I don't think is going to be like a, a, a sheep to the slaughter right off the bat. You know what I mean? And I think that that's an old school um... – Rivalry. Southwest Southwest Conference rivalry yep. that uh, that Texas has to come to Arkansas. So those fans, there's probably going to be a lot of older fans in the stadium that mm -hmm. that remember that rivalry, and they will be to ready the to big go. Eight, doesn't it? it? Back when the it, Big Twelve was the Big Eight. So it goes the Southwestern Conference. Yeah, when it transitioned into the Big Eight, and then um, and then the the SEC. 
Well, actually, I believe Arkansas was not part of the Big Eight. They're one of the founding members of the SEC, actually. So that when when there was the Southwestern Conference split, um, Arkansas ended up being part of the SEC. But um, yeah, I'm thinking five wins for this crew because I saw something in them last year. And I know the type of coach and recruiter that Sam Pittman is. And if nothing else, this team is going to be fired up every week, ready to go. Um, outstanding coaching offensive line. Um, they they had Raheem Boyd at uh, running back last year. Um, I'm not sure if he returns. I should have probably taken a look <laughs> at that. Um, but they do have some. They do have a couple playmakers on offense. They do. They have a they have a good deep threat at wide receiver. They they do have a couple of good backs. I believe they landed a transfer running back as well. Offensive line's gotten another year to gel, and their defensive unit returns mostly everybody. And on paper they didn't look great in the stat lines, but if you turn on the film, there was a lot of reasons for that. And you said like possessing the ball was one of them and everything else. So if they can clean that up, I think this is a five win squad coming out of the sec West. Yeah. I'm going to go over as well. I actually had in my notes that they were at five and a half as their over under. I don't know where I got that from. Um, so yeah, I like their three wins against the cupcakes. Uh, I agree with Texas needing to keep their head on a swivel and in that game, even though is that going to be a neutral site game or is that going to be in Austin? No, it's in, oh, it's, at, it's in Arkansas. Yeah. It's, yeah, in, it's Arkansas. in Arkansas. Um, so you got that one. You've got toss up games with Auburn and Missouri there. I don't think that you would say that Arkansas is out of those games on paper. Um, so yeah, I like over three and a half. Well, they all, and they also have Mississippi state. Remember that too. And they yeah. did a great job you know, spoiling their night last year. So uh, I think they'll do it again. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then we'll wrap things up here with my bold take. You have Arkansas at five wins. I actually Row have the Vandy. boat, JT. I have Vandy at five wins. I, You're I think, out of your mind. <laughs> I I think that I, I really, I know what Vandy football has been. I, I like what Clark Lee brings to the table former Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Vandy alum. He brings a lot of people over with him that I think can recreate the culture there. Um, Nashville's a great spot to be. Uh, I think that they're going to be able in a few years here not to be – they're not going to compete in the SEC, but they're going to be more middle of the pack. And I I just like this team getting to three wins and then getting an upset – over i'm looking at the schedule now i i could see mississippi state south carolina um they actually have four uh four out of conference games uh east ten or is that east tennessee state yeah. colorado state stanford and yukon i see them getting at least three of those and i think they find a way to shock some people in one or two other games so i think one of the things i do or I try to remind people of too, is looking at the thing holistically, right? So you have a first year head coach in Clark Lee, who I think did a great job at Notre Dame with Notre Dame athletes. Notre Dame is another team that is north of that blue chip ratio. People don't realize that because they're like, oh, they're an academic institution. They don't recruit. Yes, they do. They recruit <laughs> very well. Um, so he had toys to play with, right? You are entering the historical whipping boy of the sec east which is the weaker of the two sides of the sec right that stanford matchup could be tough 
for these guys. I think it will be actually. Um, and that's not because Stanford's a really good team. They're okay. You know, mm -hmm. like um, I think Vanderbilt is just bad. Okay. L let me put it to you this way. Right. Uh, let me, let me take a look here. Um, yeah. Kenny seals. Okay. Entering as a sophomore for Vanderbilt standards, he played pretty well last year, but again, the turnovers, uh, you know, the, the, the inability to execute the size that they give up, right. The scheme that they run, I would be worried about them staying healthy all year. Right. Because by the time that they play Florida, they play Missouri, they play Georgia, they, they get thrown in these contests against these teams that are so much bigger, so much stronger. I think from a health perspective, I think you're going to see Vanderbilt limping into the end of the year. And so here's my bold take. They don't get an SEC win um, is what I'm going with. I think that they will win against Eastern Tennessee. I think they'll beat UConn, which is one of the worst teams in the – entire FBS. <laughs> um, I like them in Colorado state. It's a, it's a mountain West opponent. I think they do have to go there. I think they're mm -hmm. taking they, a trip there. Colorado, yeah, Colorado state. state, which is probably going to be a Friday night game. Right. So, I mean, who knows that could be interesting. Right. And then Stanford comes to town. I like Stanford in the matchup against Vanderbilt. So does ESPN. I don't like live and die on ESPN, but they have a lot of really good next gen stats. To take a look at. Um, but yeah, they're not favored in a single sec matchup. Um, and I don't see, I don't see that changing. Yeah. I, I still, when I look at it, that schedule of October 23rd, October 30th, and then a week off in November 13th, they are, they have three straight home games against Mississippi state, Missouri, and Kentucky. I think that's the stretch where you get, you don't have to leave. You're staying in Nashville for, uh, for a whole month. I think that's where you could really get your guys to rally towards the end of the season and, and get a win there. I think that's their best stretch to get an SEC win. Well, my, uh, for me, much like I just mentioned uh, with South Carolina and Tennessee has this problem too. Administratively, there is no investment in Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Football. Baseball, yes. Football, no. And so – if you, if you, and I've, I've talked to guys that took recruiting trips to Vanderbilt and, and visited Vanderbilt and played for Vanderbilt. And they're like, our facilities are just, not they're not there. No, they, they, they don't have the same level of investment. They're doing things off of like, you know, beans and ramen and you know, everybody <laughs> else is eating fillets, you know? So it's, it's just one of those things that, uh, again, I don't think that they have the talent nor the depth nor the scheme to be successful. Now, if Clark Lee can build this team over the next couple of years, the direction that I would go in is try to try to do what we saw out of Stanford. You're a triple tight end team. You're big. You're, you have smart offensive linemen. They're physical and you've four yards in a cloud of dust. You play keep away. I think that's the best way to go about it. But if you're trying to spread it out against these secondaries that you're going to face <laughs> in the conference, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, Three is a hard number again. I'll throw out a date, though. October 19th, 2019. That's the last time Vanderbilt had an SEC win. That's that's the last time they won a game in their conference. So to say that they're going to get – I mean, you look at their, their out-of-conference schedule. I mean, this is what sucks about going last. Y'all beat all the points to death. <laughs> so, I mean – Sorry. It's it's fine. I mean, it makes my job easier. I uh, 
I, I'm going to take over three just on principle. I, I do think they beat East Tennessee State. Obviously, if they don't beat UConn, why play football? And then you've got to find another way to you've got to find a way to beat Colorado State or Stanford because I'm looking at this. Your two easiest SEC games are South Carolina, Mississippi State, but you got to go to South Carolina. So you got to either beat Mississippi State, Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss, or Tennessee. It's going to be rough. Three is actually the number, but just for the sake of the show, I'm going to go over three and say four. <laughs> I, okay, I'll, I will take. The, I'll take the under. Okay. I could see. I could see this being a two-win squad, or maybe over. Okay. So, love that. So, do we think who? Let, let's do a little bit of. Let's do a little bit of conference game. Who's representing the East? Georgia. West. Everything in my gut tells me to say Alabama, right? Um, if there was a team that I feel like to my core that could do it besides them, it's LSU. Okay, and that's who I'm taking. I'm putting LSU representing the West. But, uh, I'm, oh, go ahead. Do, do you think that – well, I want to know who you say, JT, so who you got? Well, so I mentioned earlier that I I think this Texas A&M team is going to be good. I think they take Al- down Alabama, and then I think LSU. Uh, I'm I'm on the under on LSU, so I think that my my pick is Texas A&M. Texas A&M, okay, and that's that's solid too. Do we think that Do we think that the East and the West are going to have both have playoff aspirations going into the championship game? Yes. Yes. So business as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Business, business as usual. I, I, I think again, that game for Georgia in against Clemson is it's not make or break on the season, but it's damn damn close. Because if you can't get the win there against Clemson, and you're a one loss team headed into the SEC championship game, and you get done in again, it's over for you. Right. But if you if you have two SEC representatives that are both undefeated, it's Clash of the Titans. I don't even think it really has to be a good game. Right. Um, Both of those teams will be in by hook or crook at that point because of just how that conference has historically performed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, you can't you can't sit there and have the best conference, and and I don't think it's even close. To be completely honest with you, I'm, I'm not big on the Big Ten, never really have been. Um, the ACC is Clemson and everybody else. Even even in the old days of the ACC, the ACC has never really been a football conference. We've had some good squads that have had good runs for years. Uh, we've had some great athletes. I think the 2000 Miami squad is one of the best teams I've ever seen, but. They're just not a football team so or a football conference. So when you go down the gamut and you look top to bottom, you could put any bottom-dwelling SEC team in another conference and find wins for them that you're not going to find in that conference. And when you have a conference like that, I don't think it really even matters if they become a two-loss team because the one thing I will say about Clemson, if Georgia drops that game, you, you mentioned something, Michael, earlier, sharp, iron sharpens iron. Clemson has not played iron in conference in about a decade, yet they still find themselves ready on the national stage. And not enough gets said about that when it comes to the coaching job that Dabo Sweeney has done. For that reason, I think you could give him coach of the year every single year. The dude plays absolutely nobody and shows up on the biggest stages and competes. So 
it's kind of hard to. But but do they? But have they? Because think about it. They 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 have. That's a dumb question. But <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> but think about this, and I've made this argument before. 2015, 2016, generational player, Deshaun Watson, generational player, best quarterback ever played at Clemson, best quarterback that ever played at Clemson. You heard me say that, all right? And they've had three great ones, Trevor Lawrence, Taj Boyd. Taj Boyd technically has all the records, mm-hmm. all right? He never gets mentioned anymore. No, he doesn't. That's <laughs> that's the crazy level, right? Charlie Whitehurst was really good too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Taj Boyd, or excuse me, sorry, Deshaun Watson, right? willed that team to a national championship in 2016 because they had the ball last. Okay. Mm -hmm. He leaves, they get a recruiting bump. What happened in 2017? They get blanked by Alabama, knocked out of the playoff. All right. 2018, historically good Clemson squad trounces Alabama. Since that team has disbanded, I would argue that Clemson has not been a national championship caliber team, period. Because every time that they have run into the championship rounds since then, they have what? They have a nail-biting win against Ohio State, which they avenged with a crushing loss this last year or you know, <laughs> taking that L to them. When they went up against LSU, I got it. They're a historically good team. I got it. But again, breaks beaten off of them. And I point back to 2017 when they didn't have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, right? 24-0. They lost to Alabama. Right. So, um, again, if there were more killers in that conference, I doubt that you see a Clemson team that's 12 and 0 all the time. You know, same thing with Ohio State, right? Penn State pushes them because Penn State's another one of those teams that's north of that blue chip ratio. They get pushed by them, right? But still not enough to overcome them. Michigan is another team, surprisingly, that is north of that blue chip ratio as well. Again, they're a 9-10 win squad because I compare them to Notre Dame more than I compare them to Ohio State. They're not even comparable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's my point is Clemson will benefit from this matchup more than Georgia will benefit from this matchup, this early season one. Um, sure. I, I, I feel like in the, you know, yeah. the experience. I feel like the problem, though, is, and we got to wrap up here soon. We've been going for almost two hours, but when you oh, get, yeah. when you get these people in this in this committee, right, and you get these people in this room, they're not going to talk about it like that. They're not going to look back and say, "Well, look at what happened in the recruiting, and look at what the drop off was, and look at what they've done ever since they lost a generational talent in Deshaun Watson." But what happened? They're not going to do that. They're going to say, "Well, <laughs> Clemson's always there." They don't care how they're there. They don't care how they perform when they get there. And they also don't want to take into account that they're the ones forcing them there. Like they don't want to take that into account. They want the team to be where they want the team to be. And that's why I just don't think that I don't, if Clemson, if, if Georgia loses to Clemson and Clemson runs the table, I don't, and Georgia picks up a second loss. I don't think that that Clemson loss hurts Georgia, but I do see what you're saying. If Clemson goes and their only losses to Georgia, that crushes them. And mm. well, it crushes them. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I, what I'm hoping for is uh, what, what I would, what I would like to see is if Georgia does lose to Clemson to, to begin the season, they run the table and hopefully win the rematch in the playoff. 
You know, mm. what would suck is beating them and then <laughs> seeing them in the playoff <laughs> right. and losing the rematch in classic Georgia fashion, which would sure. probably happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, hey, I've had a ball on this uh, show, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Special shout out to Michael Megan. Go ahead. And what's your podcast name again? Yeah, it's called the Any Given You Podcast. It's a the Any Given You Podcast. The as in you as in university. Um, it's available on all major podcast platforms. We put a lot of fun and interesting content out on there. So if you'd like to drop in, give it a listen, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Absolutely. Podcasters support supporting other fellow podcasters. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I know we've run late, but this is another te- the first ever Team Total Tuesday. We tackled the SEC. Next week, we'll tackle the ACC. We're going to try and knock out all the power fives and then maybe one five. Maybe we'll do two top halves of two group of fives. Who knows what we'll do? We kind of just wing it sometimes. But for JT, <laughs> for Michael, I'm Brandon of Sports with BJ. This has been another episode of Brood Bets. Make sure you bet responsibly wherever you do gamble. 1-800-GAMBLER if you need help. We will see you all next Tuesday.